Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to another Empire Podcast interview special. Few actors are as synonymous with a single role in their careers as Anthony Daniels. From the moment he appeared in what was then known just as Star Wars in 1977, encased within golden armour and hidden by a slightly altered voice, his life and career has been dominated by one character, C-3PO. The ultimate protocol droid, fluent in over six million forms of communication. You know the one. Daniels is unique within Star Wars in being the only performer to appear in all nine films in what is now known as the Skywalker Saga. If I'm wrong about that, by the way, do write in and tell me. And now he's taken over 40 years of memories and experiences and funneled them all into a book called simply I Am C-3PO, The Inside Story. And he came into the pod booth recently to have a good old natter with me about his decision to write it now and various aspects of the Star Wars experience. Now, as you'll hear, I had only received a copy of the book just a couple of hours before he arrived in our studio, so I didn't have time to read it, for which he constantly and good-naturedly busted my balls. But hopefully my ignorance resulted in an interesting conversation. You be the judge. And yes, we do touch upon his experiences shooting The Rise of Skywalker, but in case you haven't yet seen the final movie in the Skywalker saga, fear not. No spoilers lurk within. So, here it is, 45 minutes or so of a man that J.J. Abrams, no less, has described as gloriously witty, keen, and spirited. But after me, you'll hear the voice of Anthony Daniels. As you can see, I have no questions written down, so this is, a, this is a conversation. That. I really like that. Go. This would be a conversation. Action. All right, here we go. <laughs> I've never had that before. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, we're delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by Anthony Daniels, Mr. C-3PO himself, who has a book out, I Am C-3PO, The Inside Story. I like that. Is that a pun? How would you, how would you describe the title? What, what? Not my own, because yeah. uh, I, I originally, well, uh, when I was thinking what to call a book about my life around C-3PO and yeah. Star Wars. I uh, I really, I, I wrote down a list of you, the man with the golden face, the man behind the golden face, the golden mask, you know, <laughs> uh, inside out, whatever. And eventually I came across, it just came to me, an inspiration. Yes. The force truly was with me. Yes. I just came up with a line, telling the odds, <laughs> as in 3PO finally saying, sod you, yeah. I'm going to say it the way it is. Yep, yep. Uh, of course, the publishers went, what? <laughs> what do you mean? And I said, well, there's a passage in uh, one of the films where 3PO says the odds of successfully navigating an asteroid field at approximately 3,720 to 1, at which point Harrison Ford says, never tell me the odds. Yep. And so I thought, telling the odds... <laughs> would be neat. And they went, no, nobody will understand that. Oh, I beg to differ. Well, you, because, because you, you know about Star Wars. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, the book is, is a lot about Star Wars, but it really is, I realize, a story of my life during yes. these years. And many people have stories about their lives. Their, whatever their, their passage through, through life is, they have their own story. And this is a story based around the movies and the silly and the sad things that happen around them. But it is a, a moving forward, a moving journey that, that has a structure. It's ups and downs, it's bumps in the roads, it, it, it's heights, it's lows. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's kind of a general interest to somebody who may have peripherally 
observed Star Wars from a distance. You know, after 40 years, there's very few people on the planet who haven't been touched by this. So it's not specifically for Star Wars fans. There's the few a few inside comments that, you know, uh, Uber fans will, will appreciate, I hope. <laughs> but it is for everybody. And I will say at this point, it's, uh, I was amused on Twitter that somebody who's read it said, um, it's, uh, I'd give it PG-13. <laughs> it, it's not really for, for, for kids. Okay. But there's nothing rude. There's no expletive. <laughs> All the expletives have been taken out um, because it's not a sensational book. Yes. But hopefully it's a fun read. Absolutely. Uh, I, and as you know, I've only just received a copy this morning, so I, I will read it. I'm looking very much forward to, uh, to delving into it. But I was fascinated just flicking through it by, uh, by your approach to telling your story. In that, lots of short chapters, Anthony, and I think that's that's a good thing. <laughs> anyway, so many celebrity books and uh, autobiographies get bogged down in the small details, and this moves at a real pace. Thank you, absolutely. Thank you for noticing that. And I thought about this deliberately. Some chapters are one page long. Some are like five pages long. But even the concept of chapters, I, d I didn't want to have chapters. I didn't want to interrupt my flow uh, of storytelling. Yes, of course. Wait a minute, what's that line? Um, I'm not very good at telling stories. <laughs> well, not at making them interesting anyway. <laughs> you remember that? I do, indeed, Well, yes. it suddenly occurs to me, should have occurred earlier, shouldn't it? <laughs> it um, that I am telling stories here. And yes. some stories are shorter than others. Some are more, uh, more emotional than others, whatever. But it is a flow of consciousness, if you will. Mm -hmm. So designing the book, I, I, I really thought about it and I... I eventually realized people want chapters. You need a slight um, bus stop to say, well, I'll, I'll just stop here for a minute, mm. but I'll carry on. But, uh, but I insisted that the chapter titles are, are in a light mid-gray as I look at it. Mm. Um, sound effect of me, of Anthony. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, my first job was on radio and um, uh, sound effects are very important. Absolutely. Um, the chapter headings are in uh, light gray, so they don't, interrupt you reading the black typeface if you want to go on. You, you just yeah. casually look at the one word chapter headings, which are fairly oblique. So you can flow at your leisure and eventually, I'm rather annoyed to see that by mistake, the page numbers have been printed black. If we do a paperback, okay. that will be corrected. I'm sure you'll do a paperback. Uh, well, this thing will fly off the shelves, won't it? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> I, do, you, do you know, I sort of... I don't know why I wrote it, really. It seemed the right moment to do so because, of you know, we've got the nine films, but we can mm. come back to that. But I did think how to do this, and I wrote about... I wrote it in... in I had lots of sections open, and I thought, yes. oh, I could tell people about that. Oh, I remember that. Or And then I would go and fill in bits here, a bit like a crossword puzzle. Yes, yes. You know, oh, I know the answer now to that. And life doesn't always give you stories in, in rounded, encapsulated forms. So you do have to find a literary way of making a satisfying conclusion, a bit like a punchline and a joke. Okay. Mm, yeah, of course. So that you, you feel, ah, oh, yes, that's a neat little package there. And that's another package there. And then I realized that with all the, well, 11 movies, the, the, the three uh, trilogies and, and the two sideways movies, that became a kind of coach rack to hang various other stories on because it's not all about shooting in the films and so on. There, there are other topics, uh, as you will find, you know, talking about John Williams' music, you know, magic, um, talking about, obviously, meeting George, 
talking about the fans and their huge importance to, to the whole project. Mm. And talking about uh, the R2-D2's builders club, you know, an extension of the fan base, mm. but how wonderful that they become a part of it. That's been amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, talk, yeah, and talking about uh, people who, who forge, you know, uh, the, the stories of, of people who collect signatures and autographs and the forgers who, who just rip people off. There's a, a variety of all sorts of side issues going to the Academy Awards. Wow, that's a story. <laughs> um, not that I was giving, I wasn't receiving, <clears throat> obviously. <laughs> yes. Um, so I was, looking, I was looking for a way of, of hanging these things on the thing. And then, of course, as I'd finished them, I began to think, well, which bit goes there? Because some things are out of sequence, and I've tried to make it so you don't suddenly get a hiccuping jump. Just to go back to the idea of, of why now, you said it was because you know, you've partially... It's partially to do with the fact that the, the nine films are coming to an end, and I presume that your time as, as 3PO is also coming to an end. Never say never, though, <laughs> Sean Connery once said. Um, well, well, remember that I have said goodbye uh, three times now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said goodbye after, what was it, Return of the Jedi, yep. bye-bye Ewoks and yes. everybody else, and then, you know, bye-bye at the end of The Revenge of the Sith, am yes. I right? Mm -hmm. And now... Really, rather a sad goodbye because it is goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. At the end of uh, the the rise of Skywalker, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now, now is the time though. In this is why you decided to write this book now. The reason I wrote it now was that about uh, a year ago, slightly more than that, somebody came to me and said, um, "Would you write a book about your memoirs?" And I thought, well. The suggested 40,000 words seemed kind of doable. <laughs> sure I, could do. uh, I think I ended up about 95,000 words. So it, it's a kind of book-shaped book, which yes. is quite impressive. I never, ever thought to write a book. I never thought to That's be on the TV program that said, so I understand you've written a book. Funny you should say that. Here it is. You know. um, the book is, I am C-3PO. Yes, the author is. <laughs> All that sort of stuff. You know, it makes me wince, and now I'm a part of it. Um, but I had... Uh, written a long time ago, um, I think in the interregnum between uh, the, the first three films and the, the last one, the, the first prequels, um, I'd filled in some of that time by writing quasi-memories, memoirs, okay. which probably is French from memory, I don't know. I probably is, is, yes. yes. God, I'm international. Well, <laughs> six million forms of communication. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> yes. Um, <laughs> Although, as I, you say in the foreword, English is the only language you speak. Oh, you've read the foreword? I read the foreword. <laughs> and the first few chapters, Anthony. I, I, <laughs> I, I did what time allowed. Oh, that, that's <laughs> terrific. Um, I, I used to write the Wonder column for the Insider magazine, Star Wars magazine, yes. uh, hosted by Dan Madsen, who yes. used to run the fan club. And I used to tease my brain into making the vignettes of, of stories on the set into silly, written in a very silly, funny style. And I used to get fan mail that just said that people really liked it, you know. Yeah. And then I, wrote, I ran out of nice things to say, so I stopped, <laughs> I stopped doing it. But it, a bit like doing, a bit, bit like being on Twitter, having 150, uh, what do we call them, keystrokes, mm. to say something uh, like a haiku, it, it's a real discipline. It's, mm. it's a bit of a brain puzzle. I mean, I'm no good at these things. I can't do Sudoku's <laughs> or anything like that. But my my branch of a Sudoku is to to write stuff, if you will. Okay. And I have tried to write in a way that is not just linear. Mm. Then I did this. Then I did that. Then I did that. Then I did. Oh, 
<laughs> so I write in a kind of elliptical way where sometimes I ask the reader just hang on with me. You don't know what I'm talking about yet because the subject is going to be a page later. Yes. And you go, oh, I guess that's what he was talking about. Or, oh, I didn't understand he was talking about that. I mean, it's up to you, you know. <laughs> but I, I expect the reader to do a small amount of work. Absolutely. And the fact that, you know, that you wrote it yourself, there's no ghostwriter involved here. I don't understand. I, call, me, call me stupid, but I don't understand how ghostwriting works. Because how could you... Well, I just don't understand. So, yes, I wrote it all. <laughs> and there are bits that, I, you know, I would love to uh, revisit. But, you know, maybe there'll be a special ed edition like George yes. did with the, the, the movies. But I don't think so. I write in a particular style, which uh, some people have called lean. <laughs> I don't over over elaborate too much. And, you know, I expect you to, to picture what I've said, and I don't need to say it in, in words on the page, because mm. otherwise it would become, you know, um, family Bible-sized. What, what I quite like is, and I had to struggle a bit, was to explain things in words that are quite complicated. And it comes to mind, there, there's one passage where I explain about George tricking out um, the lightsaber, the original lightsabers, mm. were actually a, a visual lighting effect done mm. with <clears throat> with spotlights and half-silvered half, uh, mirrors shooting up and down the camera off, off the blade. And <laughs> I did have to really think that one through so that hopefully the reader can follow the science of it, if you Yes, know. yes. <clears throat> and then there's a passage where I talk about um, Maxi working out how to fit 3PO's leg up and around my uh, ankle and shin and thigh, which is full of angles and reverses and whatevers. Yeah. And finally, it's on. And, and, <laughs> and that took a bit of working out to make sure you, the reader, can get the picture. Yes, but I love the fact that it is you. It is you. That you wrote this yourself, uh, you get it, a sense of you get a sense of of your personality in the words. Thank you. And and what what I. Um, thought I'd done until uh, I came to do the audiobook, which will be out uh, sometime later. I thought I'd written as I speak because some sentences are one word long. <laughs> I mean, you know, I got, I think I got A-level English, but I wouldn't have done if I'd written like that, would I? And some sentences begin with an and or even worse, a but. The English language is a movable feast, in so, my opinion. So I, well, it is in this case, yeah. I did actually take against the semicolon. Oh, really? Why? Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it looked a bit a bit clinical on the page. But then, of course, I use a lot of dashes. Yes. Because I speak in dashes. Most people do. Yeah. And uh, then I looked at all these dashes, and it began to look like the Morse code for heaven's sake. So I did put back one or two semicolons. I think I've, I think I've, uh, I mean, you know, to any semicolons that are listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I come back. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Waging war in the semicolon, Anthony. Honestly, what's going on? <laughs> Ridiculous. So you, you were approached about this about a year ago. Uh, so you, you were presumably filming The Rise of Skywalker at the same time as writing this. I think it's more, more than a year ago. I slightly forget now. Mm -hmm. Um but in the passage of time between then and now, I had the opportunity to 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 think a great deal and to do all this basic memory searching. I only once or twice went to some kind of uh, book or authority to think, what year was that? 
And occasionally I was totally wrong in the, the, the sequence of things. But what happened then was a lot of traveling both uh, for pleasure and, and for business mm -hmm. work uh, on trains, on Eurostar, that kind of thing. And then, of course, as we reach uh, the, uh, the Rise of Skywalker at Pinewood mm -hmm. Studios and elsewhere, Hours and hours of sitting around on the set. <laughs> hours. You know, filming is huge fun, but part of the exhaustion of it is yes. just sitting there having another coffee, having another cookie from Kraft because the food on the set is wow. Um, reading another newspaper, having a snooze, <laughs> trying to do a Sudoku. And I was very lucky that on my laptop I could sit uh -huh. with nothing better to do. And also later on, of course, I could write contemporaneously yes. as we were shooting what yes. I was talking about. Because I, I will say that uh, when you see the book, obviously towards the end I come into talking about The Rise of Skywalker, but not not in a, a spoiler way because I so despair. <laughs> Anybody who's listening to this broadcast, if you are a spoiler, really, do you have to? Does it make you feel good? Please don't. Because I, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Of course So not. I wrote it in a very roundabout way, and I showed JJ what, what I'd done. He said, oh, it's okay. Yeah, that's fine. That, that's okay. You don't give away the ending of the film. Yeah. It's, it's totally fine. Uh, although, I have to say, when it comes to Star Wars spoilers, Anthony, do you, do you know the, the, the story of what happened around The Phantom Menace mm. pre-release? No. Uh, this is incredible. Uh, so... Obviously, there was a blanket of security thrown over that film and uh, no details were released apart from what we saw in the trailers and uh, lots of speculation about what might happen to various characters. But you couldn't find out any spoilers about that movie at all until a month before the movie came out when the soundtrack album was released. And on the soundtrack album, two track titles, Qui-Gon's Noble End followed swiftly by Qui-Gon's Funeral. So... <laughs> that is called that is called self spoiling, uh, auto spoiling, uh, and it's like in, in episode seven with the the, the notorious red arm. Yes, read about it in the book. Um, people, it came out very early because uh, a I think it was a South American. It may have been a Mexican. Um, drinking glass manufacturer had printed um, uh, characters from the, the next movie on the glasses in colour and lo, there was one of 3PO with a, with a red arm. So immediately people are, you know, red arm, red arm, red arm. And uh, just recently, of course, on the, this latest film, there was some other product. Well, I think it's the toy, the, the miniature toy comes yes. out and there is 3PO, or it may have been a poster, with carrying uh, the bowcaster and staff from yep. Chewie. So suddenly, yeah, all the, the, the stories of uh, 3PO becoming hero are spoiled, you know. <laughs> but again, that was a shot, of, you know, a, a known goal. Yes, it? yeah. I, I, I do love those things where people, it's, it is like a blanket. You try and you try and throw it over the entire production, but it doesn't have quite enough material to cover the entire production. Yeah. Things will always sneak out. Yeah. Yeah. From all sorts of strange directions. And one thing that really kind of kills me is when they publish the novelization of the film before the film comes out. And, I, and I've sort of said, <laughs> why do you do this? Well, people, people, you know, go to see the movie more than once when they already know the, the story. They've seen it before. Because yes. we all like being retold the same story, really. Yes. Uh, but uh, there's so many things I don't... I'm just an actor. I yes. just say, I'm told where to stand. I'm told what to say. I'm told when to say it. <laughs> you know, actors are pretty stupid, really. They need and from it. the beginning, George told you how to say it faster, more intense. Or did he ever give you that direction? Oh, yes. 
Okay. Yeah. Not intense. You know, because three PO doesn't do intense. Oh, he does. He does nothing but intense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been. I have been telling the story recently on, on the set of Rise of Skywalker. Or tross, as we call it, T R O S. It, it it sounds so ugly, doesn't it? Tross. Star Wars tross. No, no. Rises by water for me. Star Wars tross is something else. Something they haven't yet manufactured as merchandise. That's very, very true. I said it first. But there was a scene um, which you will see in the movie with. Uh, I remember Oscar was there and John Berger and Middle and, and Daisy. Actually, they were there outside, um, <laughs> and they were they were you know talking very sincerely and, 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 and really uh, seriously about th- this thing that they needed to do. And I was part of the conversation, so I'm not in the suit in rehearsal here. Mm-hmm. And you know, John is saying this and uh, Daisy is saying this. And suddenly 3PO comes in like that. And I thought, with our four faces visible, I thought, God, I'm on another planet, aren't I? <laughs> but that's, that's 3PO. That's, that's what it is. And it, it works, you know, as a, as a pantomime character in, amongst all this reality. Wow. Yeah. It does work. And that's all because of choices you made as an actor of over 40 years ago. Yeah, and we're stuck with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're stuck I'm with sorry, it. sorry, George. <laughs> we have been stuck with it. And the voice is actually quite hard to do because he is very tense and, and that's up in the throat. And if I'm doing that for a day of, of uh, looping or dubbing or ADR or indeed audio recording, eventually, um, you know, and I am tight around the diaphragm and the butt and everything. Oh, R2. R2-D2, what are you doing here? <laughs> do you speak fire alarm, Anthony? <laughs> I do now. <laughs> what were they saying? <laughs> he was saying, um, oh, possibly somebody from the publishing company has arrived 30 minutes late. <laughs> we shall double our efforts. Um, but uh, so, so, yes, I mean, these are, these are choices that you made as, a, as, as an actor for yeah, you. Yeah, and, uh, you know, people may wonder about that, but there, there is this thesis. If you have five... 10 actors and you give them the same page of of dialogue or whatever, Mm. they will come up, without instruction, they will come up with their own interpretation. And one of the reasons you would uh, hire an actor that you know is that you kind of know they will come up with something you will uh, like and admire and want to use. Uh, In George's case, he had no idea about me and didn't really expect what I gave. And then the remarkable thing happened that he assumed, because he loves working in post-production, that he could just change the vocal part of it for um, for something that was more tuned to his ear. And then really a curious piece of space magic that happened that 3PO had eventually, it seemed, through forces beyond my control. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't kind of know how it happened. Because I basically was winging it, wasn't I? <laughs> I was out in the desert wearing this clutter for the first time. Yeah. And um, after six months kind of study getting in my system, he came out of the end. It was like putting everything in a, putting everything I'd got into a blender and eventually pushing the button. Wow. <laughs> and then pouring the strange liquid out. And, and, <laughs> and there we had this figure. So I would like to take the the whole um, thing to myself, but mm. and I, I cannot explain some of it. I'd never been in a film before, so mm. you know, television and, and particularly stage plays, you you get to rehearse stuff mm. and you do it again and you work it out and you do it better and better until you're ready for going on stage. Here, lights, camera, action. Um, where's the rehearsal? Oh no, you, you just get on with it. And so really. To be honest, I was kind of winging it to to begin with. And then gradually, 
the compulsion to to make this character, at least in my mind, whole, you know, took over and I worked really hard of it. The big drama for me was not only dressing up, but the curious thing was, and it still amazes me to this day, that they gave me endless rewrites of the script mm. that I, I just would stand there reading whilst they fiddled about with bits of my body to make it work as a robot at the studios in fiberglass work that sentence out, if you will, um, <laughs> that I was reading these scripts where I had these endless dialogues with R2-D2 and, yes. and it would have the uh, the character uh, epithet there, C-3PO, and then R2-D2, C-3PO, R2-D2, C-3PO, R2-D2. You know, like a normal, he said, he said, she said, he said, they mm. said. Um, on, on the day, for the first time in the desert, and it is extraordinary to think about it, I found that, no, there was no sound from R2-D2. Mm. There was going to be no prompt, no reply to my question, no answer to my question, mm. no comment. Mm. And it was it was sort of gobsmacking, really. It was like, oh, well, how, well, how does this work? <laughs> how are we going to do this? Could you have heard anything anyway? What was? What, oh, yes, I can yeah. hear. Um, I, I can hear pretty well. Okay. Yeah. Um, Although when I'm squeaking and, and making noises in my own head, everything yeah. comes up from my ankles in a kind of serious <laughs> stethoscope kind of way, you know. So I am making my own Babel Tower in my head, which yes. is horribly uh, disconcerting, but I've got used to it. Of you course. Know? It's like being in a, doing a thing in a big arena where my voice, you know, mm. I've done shows like that, my voice will come back a second, a second and a half later. So I'm thinking, who's talking whilst I'm talking? It's me. <laughs> it's me. And you have to just work over it. You have to push you know? through. But with R2-D2, why had nobody said or nobody planned that... I would have some kind of responsive mechanism going on and I will leap forward several decades to suddenly f encountering a character called BB-8, this orange, this kind of football with a hat on. And attached to the football is, is Brian Herring, dressed in green. But he's not only operating BB-8, he's being BB-8. BB-8, what are you doing here? And he was just hilarious. It, um, <laughs> you know, he, uh, he's a comedian in every yes. sense of the word. Yes. Um, but he gave me something to react to. Why they didn't do that back in 1976, I don't know. Because it, it gave me an extra burden. One that I kind of adopted and assumed, but it took several days to get it, mm. that I have to play his part as well as mine because not only, you know, I would ask a question and then there would be a pause, a silence, <laughs> maybe the wind just <laughs> going by, yeah? Yes. And I'm thinking, what's my next line and what's it said to me to prompt that next line? Wow. And it isn't just staring at an object to, to listen to... When you think that's enough of that, I think it's my turn to speak. It's thinking, what is he saying and what is my physical reaction to what he isn't saying? Yes. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, you course. have to listen intelligently. Yes. And it took several days for me to kind of get into that mode. And as I say in the book, I would write out what is inferred by my next line. Yes. But in a strange way, did that inform 
part of 3PO's personality and part of 3PO's character because... Yeah, it made him pissed off most of the time because I'm thinking I'm doing two parts here. You know, some, somebody help me. And at one point, at one point I did ask George to, to step in, but he wasn't very good at it. So I, okay. I, I just got on with it. That's interesting because obviously I've seen footage uh, from the set of back in the day of Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca and there'll be a dialogue scene and then he will say a line in English in his incredible accent. And it's just the most incongruous sight seeing an English accent coming out of that body. Uh, so it's interesting that you didn't have the same experience as Harrison and uh, and uh, and Carrie and, and Mark did. I, I know in latter days on The Rise of Skywalker, Brian actually suddenly, Brian Herring started mm. speaking in English because, all right, it's going to be beep, 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 <laughs> but, you know, why not just have somebody <laughs> saying the line to help yeah. the actor? And finally, after nine movies, nine movies, they suddenly think, why don't we just have him talking the words? Oh. <laughs> now all you need to do is go back and just reshoot the other films. <laughs> just just for those bits. I couldn't do it all again. Oh, no, 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 no. George has been down that road too many times already, so... <laughs> Let's move on. Let's leave well alone. Um, and your relationship with Star Wars, Anthony, how has that changed over the years? Has there, was there ever a point where you were um, perhaps tired of your association with Star Wars and tired of hearing about it? Curiously, one of the early chapters in the book is what happened when the movie opened. Uh, Star Wars, the original, the uh, fourth, what was it called? This is the original. Yeah. A New Hope. A New Hope. <laughs> Although it wasn't called that for a while. No, it was called The Star Wars. <laughs> and before that, The Adventures of Luke Starkiller. Indeed. But when the film opened, you know, it, it had been a, a bit of a pain to shoot. But when the film opened, it, it opened a huge re reaction from the mm. world. Well, not the world, actually, only America. And it changed the way uh, films are distributed because people in Europe, England, were pretty ticked off that they had to wait six months reading reviews of this extraordinary phenomena before they were allowed to see it, it you know, before they were allowed to the party. Yeah. Uh, the reasons were the distribution patterns were different, making making prints was expensive and whatever. But six months later, yeah, the, the British uh, and European audiences were allowed to join in. By that point, it had become totally clear to me that I wasn't allowed to be at that party either, mm. that they, Fox and Lucasfilm, were absolutely d dedicated to pretending 3PO was, was a robot. They mm. never said anything directly, mm. but it was totally clear that I wasn't wanted on, on, on the voyage. And it hurt me so much that I actually almost shunned Star Wars. I couldn't bear to talk about it. And I, I do speak about it in the book. But to be so put, a, put away... Um, was, was very, very hurtful. And therefore, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to talk about it. Everybody wanted to talk to me. but mm. And I couldn't tell them that, that I hurt so much. I didn't want to spoil their time. Mm. But it was a very, very difficult time. And it had the effect of distancing me. So when the next film came up, I accepted, really, for two reasons. First of all, it was a job, and I'm a jobbing actor. And secondly, more benign, possibly, um, I had grown very fond of C-3PO. I felt I was his, his only real friend on, the, on this planet, <laughs> yeah. you know, that I was sort of his guardian, his, his bag carrier, if you will. And so, yes. And from that point, things obviously began to improve and, you know, with ups and downs and whatever. Mm. 
But it was only recently, in the last six, seven, eight years, that I began through various circumstances, which I talk about in the book. You know, uh, Star Wars in concert was a particular breakthrough, mm. not a film. That's where you start. Isn't it interesting? Mm. Well, I said that. <laughs> you have to judge yourself whether it's interesting. <laughs> I was being rather pretentious in saying, isn't it interesting that the opening lines of the book are not about uh, the films? It's about something that came from the movies, a, a, a spin-off, an offshoot, a, a concert series. But a concert series, not just in any uh, local church hall, in gigantic arenas, across America, north and south, across Europe, into Japan, where thousands of people a night, thousands of people, five, 10, 25,000 people in an arena in Houston, all were listening to me telling the story of Star Wars. It was tricked out with beautiful visuals, with a choir, with a huge screen, with a, a symphony orchestra, a hundred-piece orchestra, and me telling the story with John Williams, astounding. <laughs> but what happened was not just telling the story. What happened with all those live bodies, all those faces in the audience, many of which I could see, but all of whom I could sense the energy, the love, the affection, the, it comes across as absolutely palpable to a stage actor. It's, it is like a force field coming at you. Um, either the laughter and the funny bits or the, the cheers at exciting bits or the deep silence as people relive that moment that you're, you're storytelling them. Mm. And I would do that many, many occasions. And I realized that I had never had their experience, that I'd never watched these movies as, a, as an objective observer. I'd been in them. I'd been sweating and cursing away inside that gold suit. And suddenly, finally, years later, they are giving me the key to why it's all worked and to why I should make it work for me. Because now they've shown me that they like what we did. They liked what I did. They love what George did, what John Williams did, the other actors, Carrie and Mark and Harrison. They loved all that. But I was the one standing there live, able to appreciate what they had appreciated over the years. That was one of the longest answers you've ever had. Wasn't it? That, that <laughs> was a surprised. chapter. That was that was one of the longer chapters of the book. It was like having the audiobook <laughs> right here, right in front of me. But that's fascinating because that that all came about as a result of you making your peace with Star Wars those decades earlier, just before Empire Strikes Back, which then manifested itself in a very, I mean, your loyalty to this franchise has been incredible. You have voiced 3PO in animated series. You, you know, you, you attend all these uh, other celebrations and all the conventions. And uh, uh, that's an incredible turnaround. Uh, how has your life changed simply as a result of, of being in this incredible series? It became clear to me some years ago that 3PO was kind of my my lot in life, if you will. <laughs> that, you know, I'd always been a very kind of average actor. I, I was getting the sort of parts that um, didn't really matter if I was there or not. Okay. As I've said, you know, be a strange silence if I wasn't there. But, uh, you know, the characters w were not um, germane to anything in particular mm. and not particularly rewarding. And I had lost a certain amount of confidence, curiously, in acting. Um, and it's odd because I don't mind standing on stage as myself, mm. talking to, you know, a, a loving audience, hopefully, mm. hopefully loving. Um, 
But it, it became clear that 3PO had become my kind of um, thing to do, my go-to, my, my is, my why. And um, how lucky that because of that mind flip that George was able to do so many years before and the voice, the voice I'd created um, was so located to the body I'd, I'd embodied that all the spin-offs, the myriad spin-offs, whether it's audio or visual uh, or physical or practical or whatever, um, allowed me to have these, these uh, often very funny and very interesting uh, career moments, jobs, if you will. Yeah. Uh, has anyone else ever voiced 3PO? I, I don't know. I would suspect on occasions uh, they have. But w one of the things about employing me, because mm -hmm. I still need the work. I mean, let's, you know, I'm a, <laughs> this is a, I'm a jobbing actor. <laughs> yes. um, one of the things you, you get, I, I remember um, we were negotiating for something and they said, well, you know, it, it's only like one day in the studio. You know, it's mm -hmm. one day. And I said, no, no. It's 40 years and one day. Yeah. Because the history of 3PO, the history of Star Wars, and I do believe I'm his sort of guardian. And if you have me on the set, believe me, I'm going to say, no, no, he actually wouldn't say that. That's not, and that's not how he would say it. And therefore, the, the character has remained uh, consistent mm. over the years. And it's because kind of I'm there and I, I know how he would say something. And I know what he wouldn't say. I, I mean, I talk about being on the Donnie and Marie Osmond show. And, you know, when I looked at the script, I just cut out so many of the lines. I think I ended up with six words because it was rubbish. And I didn't have the wit then to, to rewrite it. Now I just rewrite things and say, look, would it be better if he said this? Yes. And they go, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. you are c 3 Well, you see the title. That's um, right there. I, 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 yeah. I have the book. Let's let's do a little <laughs> that old trick. So you couldn't double the Kindle, could you, Anthony? You couldn't. <laughs> Doesn't quite work, does it? Do you know, uh, I tell the story of reading the script for um, the Rise of Skywalker, um, and they gave me this electronic book. <laughs> couldn't do it. Um, yeah, now I I have the the the, the courage to say, look, three uh -huh. PO, can I offer you this script as an idea because it saves time, you know? Because I know how he would, how he thinks, how he would repeat something. So it's um it's one of the things that actually keeps keeps me interested. And how, how important was it to you to be part of the? the last three movies coming back to the uh, the, the the sequels the, the second set of sequels yeah um i have to think about prequel sequels this is strange sort of juggling act in my head and technically the, the prequels rendered the original films the first set of sequels exactly that. it's very confusing yes this is like uh, a school examination do you know it probably is a school examination. somebody's writing a thesis on oh this. yeah many many a, a people ma a mathematics student is, is going to there are gain, doctorates uh, in star wars yes and almost because it's become such a, a global phenomenon and on so many levels, um, you can see why, because it does trick out the brain a bit. But the, the prequels had been a mildly uncomfortable experience, as, as you can read. And um, it would have been slightly unsatisfying, as I thought, that that was the end. Mm. They made sense, and, and as I say in the book, there are people who absolutely adore those, those movies because they were their first um, view into mm. Star Wars. And 
I totally, I see that so well because people tell me, no, back in the day I was 10 years old and I loved these characters. I loved what happened. Mm. The fact that people who were already uh, 30 years older, who were in their 40s at that point, were going, well, it's not the Star Wars I know. It's because it's not written for you. Yeah. It's written for the new audience. And now as they've got older, as we've all moved up, actually everybody is appreciating. Mm. And I think that's a terrific thing for George's um, posterity, if you like, um, that people really acknowledge that, that he did it. He did so much. And what I'm kind of wanting to remind people about, because I, I think they need reminding, George started all this. It's all his fault. Gosh. Um, <laughs> and he is, you know, when people say, you know, who is the maker? You know, thank the maker. This is going to feel so good. Yes. That's a quote from the first movie, I remember, in a rather, <laughs> in a rather dodgy scene in a garage at El Street Studios. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah in the oil bar. Yeah. Um, he is the maker. Yes. Of course, 3PO is referring, not that we knew it at the time, but to Anakin. Mm. What a strange beginning there. Because, <laughs> because all machines are made, so the maker is the maker, yes. quite simply. But George started it, and maybe the prequels had left me feeling a bit bleak, but I thought that was the end, and, I, and that was fine. You know, this was not something I had assumed would be a, a life career. And of course, it has turned out to be a, a life career. But how magical to go right from the early chapters of this book, right sequentially with side issues through to the last chapters. And I don't just end on on, um, on The Rise of Skywalker, but The Rise of Skywalker with J.J. Abrams has become such a, a loving full stop, a, a wonderful, gentle, ah, of satisfaction. <laughs> and, and, you know, fate was... Mm, was that always intended? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Thank the maker. Thank the maker. Thank the maker. Before I let you go, I do want to ask about one specific moment uh, in, in recent Star Wars history, which is the read-through for The Force Awakens. Because I'm fascinated by the read-through, mainly because of that very famous picture, the black and white picture of everybody uh, gathered around, ready to yeah. read the script for the very first time. Yeah. It was actually, a, a, strange to say, a slightly scary moment because uh, it, it had been a while since the, the previous film. And I had read the script in, in my private dressing room at the studios and felt a little disappointed that 3PO didn't have much to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I suppose I felt a bit, why am I even bothering with this. And then I go into this huge space. It was in a studio and they'd laid out the furniture. And, um, oh, I don't know. They were, suddenly it all changed. The, the, that that um, sense of tension just died away. Anything in a room with JJ just gets <laughs> energized beyond belief. I mean, he is like, he's almost like one of those battery commercials, that, you know, the what, something bunny commercials that batter away. Um, the Energizer Bunny. Energizer yes. Bunny. He is the Energizer Bunny de Nojour. <laughs> he, he can just get everybody enthusiastic with his joy. And yes, you can see in that black and, I think it's black and white picture. Black and white, yes. Yeah, I love that because that gives it such a retro feeling. And, it's uh, incredible. And there were, you know, people that I've enjoyed knowing for so many years as, as Peter over there. Curiously, uh, with his face planted in the script, he who had no words to say was reading the lines. And, and that's a, a strange moment. But there was Mark <laughs> Hamill next to me, who literally had no lines to say in the movie. 
But boy, can he sight read. The acres of um, scene description, of, of stage direction, I mean, really, obviously, acre is an exaggeration, but yes. you get the point. Um, he, he's an extraordinary reader. And he, he wove that the, those scenes in everybody's mind. And then, of course, you've got Carrie over there and, and from memory, um, Harrison. And in, in the rules of anonymity that I have always followed clearly from day one when I was excised from that original film, the only person, as I say in the book, with his back to the camera... <laughs> forever unknown me <laughs> I mean you've got to laugh in a wry fashion there it is yeah. I have the picture up here now but I, I've it's it's just it seems like a, a snapshot of an incredible moment and I, I've always wondered this is a really really strange question but was it assigned seating it was totally assigned seating they okay. they knew who the stars were you know there's Harrison and JJ over there uh -huh. and I'm parked you know up in the garage there next to, to Mark <laughs> but of course it was lovely sitting next to him because we kind of um, you know chatting away there yes. yeah. okay uh, did JJ do a live read a tape read for the Rise of Skywalker as well no there was the, the Rise of Skywalker started with me uh, uh, getting rather irritated in my wonderful Ivy restaurant in, in London. Uh, truly my favourite restaurant that they had chosen, production had chosen, to have not a group read-through but a group dinner. And so there were so many people from the cast, you know, Daisy mm. and lovely Richard E. Grant. Oh, uh, yes. Absolutely superb yes, person. Yes, yes. Should have got an Oscar for Can You Ever Forgive Me? But didn't. But Can we ever forgive them? No, <laughs> there are so many things that cannot be forgiven. You know, um, Trisha Bigger never getting an Oscar for the costume yeah. she created in the prequels. That is so unforgivable. I mean, she should Crazy. go, I was going to say posthumously, but that means she'd be dead. But with hindsight, yes. you know, the, the Academy should look back and say, just because you've got issues with George doesn't mean that the films don't contain wonderful, wonderful artifacts and so on. But meanwhile, back in, in the Ivy, um, the one person that was missing that should have been there was Chris Terrio, the writer. Oh, yes, yes. Because at this point, I had not received a script. And, you know, we were starting two or three weeks later. And people kept coming up to me, I've seen the script, you've got a terrific part. And I'm going, oh, really? Thank you very much. Can I see a script? No, JJ wants you to have the, the latest, best version. And of course, I would have taken Chris by the neck if, if he'd been there and said, give me the script, give me, you know, shaking his pockets. Um, but the evening was just superb because, you know, we, we had... Uh, uh, all of, all of the main members of the cast, as many as could come along for dinner, uh, all just chatting away and getting relaxed together. So we didn't have a read-through. Okay. And um, it, it was okay. And we didn't have one for uh, the, uh, any of the films because they change now so totally as you're mm. going along. You know, what's the point? A free dinner is <laughs> one thing, but let's not, learn, let's not learn this speech because it's not going to be in the script later on. In yes. fact, you know, we change because particularly now in The Rise of Skywalker, J.J. And, and Chris have finessed this and finessed this and finessed it and made it better and better and better as more, wow, we could do this now. I was going to say, we're about six weeks out from the release of that film. Have you read the script? Have you, have you, have you seen it at any point? You would be amazed. Uh, I think I can admit, I think I will admit, uh, this is breaking news. I get uh, emails from JJ in the evening saying, 
could you could you just record this line on your on your cell phone? Send it to me. <laughs> so I have to turn the spare bedroom into a, in a recording studio, and I knock these lines out because he he's looking to just uh, finesse some of the lines here and there. But I love, I, you know, I can imagine him, at sc- him as a schoolboy just doing his his homework absolutely up to the wire, you know, uh, and it makes it such a living thing. He's it's been hugely it. He's winging it, and you will see the magic very shortly. Well, Anthony, if you do need to record any lines and you need a studio to pop into, the Empire Pod booth is available to you whenever you need it, sir. That's a very nice offer. Thank you. But actually, our sped bedroom is, is kind of a bit nicer. <laughs> not, as, not as gray, not as drab, not as depressing. Gray is my favorite color. <laughs> oh, good. But we've gone through Excellent. that now. We had, we, had, we had a trick down for you, especially. Uh, Anthony Daniels, has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, best luck with the book and with The Rise of Skywalker and with whatever comes next for you. Thank you. And I know you will be there. <laughs> I will indeed. Thank you very much. Indeed. I hope you will. I will Bye-bye. be. Thank you. Cheers. And that was Anthony Daniels. And that is it for this interview special. With the Empire Podcast on a short break until January 10th, again, fret not, there will be more specials coming your way over the next couple of weeks, including a mini-spoiler special for The Rise of Skywalker ahead of the main one in January, the Knives Out spoiler special, and our Review of the Year special as well. And if you want to get your hands on a copy of IMC3PO, I have now read it and I can thoroughly recommend it. And you can pick it up in hardback from all good online and offline bookstores. Offline bookstores, remember them? Huh. As well, of course, as the audiobook version read by one Anthony Daniels. And all just in time for Christmas as well. Makes an excellent stocking filler. Right, that's enough for me. I'm off to soak in a nice relaxing oil bath. Thank the maker. And thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye. 